tell me where in the world is crying in San Diego. Welcome back to another episode of Where in the World is Crime in San Diego. We are your hosts. I am Adrian and I am with Angie. Uh, I hope you guys have been keeping up with uh, with us with the Miami Lethe case because uh, it is happening as we speak. Today it is March the 13th day, so there is no trial or no, sorry, no preliminary. But regardless of the holiday, never skip a Monday. So we showed up anyways. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so yeah, so we're going to keep going through with, uh, bonus episodes throughout the week to try to keep you guys up to date. And we will give our major points of what was, uh, discussed in the actual, uh, courtroom. So if you want a recap of the whole case, we have one on there. And then we did a recap of day one through three, because they went by really fast and we'll be doing day by day updates from here until the preliminary trial ends. So that you don't have to sit through eight hours of mic ruffling and objection and a lot of this like, yeah, oh my gosh, like listening to it (laughs) in the car or it is. And then like you just hear like random like, like thumbs and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so loud. You hear everything. (laughs) So we're going to save you guys that. All right. Uh, But still also do you guys own research and, uh, you know. Um, if you see something or hear something, like share it with us. What stands out to you? What doesn't? What yeah. did you? What do you believe that's showing? What do you think is accurate and what do you think is falsified? Yeah. Let's get into the case that Adrian researched this week, and he's really excited to share with us. I am super excited. You've been you were you've been you you've done an amazing job keeping an update with Maya, and I know you were busy with that. So I told you, hey, you know what? Let me do a case this week. I'll I'll handle this while you take the majority of the actual Maya case. So. Um, this week it's called the pink house. Ooh, disclaimer. Sounds, sounds like Barbie. <laughs> a little bit, honest. Yeah, it does look a little bit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, so disclaimers for this week. Uh, it's a little bit of alcohol abuse and then uh, murder. The sources used for this week are San Diego Union Tribune, Escondido Times, and the San Marcos Chamber of Commerce where they uh, also have a Chamber of Commerce podcast that I listened to about this as well. Wow, look at you. You don't even need me anymore. Hey, don't say that. <laughs> so, here we go. I'm all headphones, honey. You always hit me with those puns, and I, I sometimes I don't know what to say. I, I'm, I'm baffled. I'm speechless. I'm just like this. Wow. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Okay, I'm getting off topic. I'm getting off topic. So, here we go. So San Marcos Pink House, it is a old house. This thing's over a century old. This is a 120-year-old house currently, okay? Over where it's located currently, it's on Via Veracruz and Discovery Street. And that whole area, it's being redeveloped by the city. It's called the Creep Project. And when it rains, that whole area floods, right? Mm-hmm. Driving through that street on Bennett Road, when it rains, there's... There, there was like a rain marker uh, on the side of the road because it flooded. You potentially can get like swept away by the creek. So now the city decided to invest all this money and there's a bridge, but they're still working on it. But they didn't want to get rid of this house because it's, it's a historic building. So the city 
decided to invest and keep it as a historical landmark. So it's saved. Now, what they did is they moved it from where it was closer towards San Marcos Boulevard, and they moved it further back onto Discovery Street, which is on the backside of where like Kaiser Permanente is and everything. This house has a lot of history. It was one of the first buildings in San Marcos before it became a city. You know, this land was purchased through a grant through Mexico. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is taking us back to the early 1800s. That's cool. So the, sto- the building is a two-story uh, clapboard house, which meaning the, the wood on the side of the house, they're horizontal and they're like overlapping, kind of like a barn. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, it's like a barn, but it's a house. Mm-hmm. All right. And where it's situated, it was more for like an orchard or like fields. So like plantation or harvesting. Like I'm sure when it was built, it was one of its kind. Like it had a lot of land around it. Exactly. There was just nothing around it. It was just like a flat land. Where it was, it's it was either going to get a lot of rain during rainy season or no rain. So you either had a good harvest or you didn't have a harvest at all. So it was, okay. like, it was like one or the other. It's like a gamble. Mm-hmm. The building got relocated in May of 2014. All the locals know it as the pink house. And this is where we start to introduce the backstory of it. The council, uh, councilman uh, Chris Orlando was driving by like recently when it was being moved on, on uh, 2014. And he's like, he was just so happy. Like, he's like, I think of the building along with the buildings in the Heritage Park are icons for the city and their touchstones for the past, which like, you know, things like that, they do show like a city's roots. So I'm, I'm happy that the city is keeping it instead of just demolishing it. But it's back history is a little interesting. So this is where we introduce Wilhelm Meyer, who bought like six and a half acres of land and he built that house. He built it back in 1889. Oh, wow. A long time ago. But the house was built between 1889 and 1903. Okay. Now, Wilhelm, he's a widow and he has three daughters. And he decides to start, you know, using it as an orchard and he has people working for him. One of the people that works for him is William Doran. And the other is Gus Eliaison. Now, they're more of like working on the orchard and William's more in charge because he's more of the foreman. So he he is assigned duties by Wilhelm. And he just assigns them to every, all the workers. Now, Gus is a little bit of a heavy drinker. Gus, Gus. Gus, Gus. <laughs> Cinderella. Yeah. So uh, he likes drinking the red stuff. Wine? Yeah. He's a heavy wine drinker. Oh. Particularly, he likes drinking on the he's job. He's a Johnny Depp. He needs a mega pint. <laughs> well, yeah. But I think <laughs> back then, would you still call it a mega pint? Or I don't mean. I'm sure he had his own name for it. <laughs> so it's uh, 1907, and this is where Gus Gus shows up to work super intoxicated, and he's hammered, and he's working, and William isn't happy about what's happening, and he's, uh, he's objecting to Gus working. So then there's like some kind of scuffle outside the house. The two men are fighting. Gus has a gun. Somehow, Will gets the gun, and he shoots uh, Gus, and then three days later, he dies. That escalated quickly. I it, thought it, fighting, like, fist fighting, like, I didn't think, like, Western fighting, like, with the 
tumbleweed rolling well, in the middle. Yeah, I'm assuming that there had to be like like just stumbling around on the floor and the ground and stuff like that. And then the, the, the gun just, you know. I forget guns were common to wear as an accessory at that time. Exactly. You know, it was like, yeah. it was, it was kind of like a pocket watch. Yeah. You know. So Do you Gus, carry a pocket watch nowadays? It's not a pocket watch. It's more of a box cutter. <laughs> you know, I always keep it handy. So Gus passes away from his injuries three days later. And William has to stand trial. And his trial is pretty quick. And he gets cleared of all charges. He's acquitted. Self-defense. Bingo. Self-defense. <clears throat> so he doesn't have to do any time. It's just more of like, hey, listen, like something happened. You know, you were just defending after yourself. So there's no, there's no time for you to go serve in jail or you get hanged or anything like that. Boom. Now, in 1912, William marries Emma Meyer, who is Will, uh, William Meyer's daughter, right? Mm-hmm. He inherits the house that they were, the pink house that they were living on. He takes over the orchard and, and everything. So because of marriage, he inherits the company, the business, the, the orchard and all that stuff. Isn't that crazy? That is. <laughs> Well, I guess it's good for, for the Myers family because, hey, like I have a solid man that can pr- probably protect my daughter from all harm, right? I would assume so. Yeah, but it almost seems like he got rewarded for what he did. Exactly. Now, get this. Ten years later from the shooting, it's 1917, William is elected to the State Senate Assembly. And he serves two terms in the California State Assembly. In twenty seven or sorry, twenty nineteen seventeen and nineteen nineteen, he was a state assembly for California. Isn't that See sad? what I mean? <laughs> like he got rewarded for what he did. Yeah, and then now William died in nineteen twenty seven, and the Escondido Times Advocate in their obituary, they did not mention any lick of the actual shooting from nineteen oh seven. Well, no, because he was never like charged for it. No, but I think I would figure that, you know, like anything like that should still kind of be at least like, hey, like known that, dude, William. But because he was so prestigious, like, why would you dig out his skeletons, quote unquote? Yeah, to to protect his uh, reputation. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly why they didn't put it on there. But Which it's like, makes sense to me. I mean, it's kind of how politics works. Yeah. But. So in 1943, the house is sold. A.E. Maldor buys the house. And then the house is deeded to her son. They had a bathroom because before there was a uh, outhouse that was like 150 feet away from the, the house you know, itself. Oh, man. Yeah. So that's how I mean, this house is vintage is 120 years old. Like there is no plumbing system. I would there. not have survived those times. <laughs> so uh, after that, the house pretty much becomes like a rental into the 90s where before this, the house wasn't uh, painted pink until the 90s. So like around 94, 95, somebody comes in and paints the whole house pink. Just for the heck of it. It's really random. It really is random. And the thing about it, too, is that because it got painted pink, everybody now sees it. Beforehand, nobody knew, nobody looked, they, it would be there, but no one really like thought about it. But then because it was painted pink and it, it made was- made it stand it, out different. And it is like a rusty nail and everybody started thinking about it. 
I know? wonder if it was like a prank or like a city order. Like, did you find anything like that? I I I would feel like you know, um, but it's it's just it's it's funny. Like, I love these kind of history things. I love these like going through these like little nostalgic kind of things that are, have like a little dark history, dark twist to it. Um, and it's like it's like a local icon, but at the same time, the way I've I've driven by that house years ago and it still is in that same location and it's it doesn't look pretty at all. Does anybody live there? Nobody lives there. The house is all boarded up. Um I'll show you pictures. We'll put pictures online. Uh, but it's all the windows are boarded up. No one lives in there. No one's lived in it for almost 30 years. But it's just one of those things that it, because it is a historic landmark, no they cannot demolish it and they cannot tear it down and if they move it there's all these things that protect it and it's just like this super complicated process but it's still amazing that it's like a historical building but most historic buildings end up turning into museums at some point which is why i'm curious as to why they haven't done anything with it exactly and i don't think there is enough to make it to and to turn it into a museum as it is but it, it would be interesting because um in uh the city of san marcos there are there is a historian, you know, like society that does look at these kind of things. And that whole area is just right now in the moment is just being developed. And so maybe in the future, they'll end up doing something with it. Yeah, because there's plans where they've moved other buildings nearby that have been historical. But because of development, like they they moved it to where it's like on a lot that's not being touched. And once all that stuff gets developed, then they'll move those buildings in a permanent place for like a historic park or heritage park is what it's called, which is not too far from where the the pink house is. At. You say moving the house like if it's so easy to like pick it up and hitch it to the truck. But it's like they're like a million moving parts to these things and like those big old trucks that say like. And the thing about it is that's exactly what they do. They they lift it on cinder blocks or like on a trailer and they move it, but they move it at a turtle speed. Yeah, where like you see him on the freeway and you're like, why is there so much traffic? And he's like this big old house on the freeway and you're like, oh, exactly. Just kidding. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. how it goes. And, and uh, it's a uh, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. Let us know what you guys think about this episode. Uh, please go check out the pink house in Escondida or Escondida in this San Marcos. Was interesting. I didn't expect him to like get like have such an instance and then like it still lead to him like having a good life afterwards. No, and and it's really strange, and that's what that's what really caught my eye that he really he committed. Well, he self defense, and he came to you know becoming a state senator for two terms. So it was really interesting how he was able to turn that around, and uh, you know, at nineteen oh seven, like you know, crime was happening in San Diego County. Oh, we've proven that with the Horton, the Whaley. I mean. I've- it, it's always been around. I think <laughs> this is literally a tale as old as time. No, but I think this this helps people realize that, you know what, even though it was like the Wild West and, you know, the ni- early 1900s, things still happened. And even to this day, so crimes everywhere, no matter where, where you go. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing the research. This is a really good episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. A <laughs> little bit of history, a little bit of darkness, a little bit of politics, all in one little bow. A little one bit little of pink house. another pun thank you thank you a lot angie you're welcome so now we've reached the end of our episode and we introduce our sbs of the week small business spotlight 
Angie, do you ever have a sweet tooth? All the time. Ah, you don't say. I have a sweet tooth too, but for like a lot of times, I always like those like nostalgic like candies and sweets and sugary stuff, you know, like the pops. And down in Seaport Village, I have the right place for you. And I. Because you and I, we go together like peanut butter and jelly. Let's introduce to you guys the Something Sweet Shop. Located down in uh, downtown San Diego, 839 West Harbor Drive, San Diego, California, 92101. And these guys got it all. Uh, any kind of these like rock pops, uh, the sweetie, the smarties, uh, the sweet tarts. Those, uh, they have everything. And uh, they have this really cool little shop right there in front of Seaport Village. The trolley's walking distance. So you can take the coaster down to San Diego, hop in the trolley, get off at Seaport Village, or even down in South Bay in, in National City or San Isidro. Hop in the trolley, it takes you down up or it takes you up to downtown um, and make a day trip out of it. It's it's perfect. It's nice, and especially during the summer. Oof. Or for those of you in South Bay, it's not too far of a trip and not so much of a day trip. It's still really nice to go walk and enjoy an afternoon stroll, enjoy the view, grab a snack, you know, replace the calories you just burned. All the New Year's trends. Yummy. (laughs) With that being said, tune in every Monday for your next dose of Where in the World is Crime in San Diego. Till then, catch us on the next case. And in case we don't see you, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Tell me where in the world is crime in San Diego. Hey,